Years ago, when Pam and I were on staff at Victory in Tulsa, we directed the Bible school, and someone gave me a book. And the book was uh, uh, called In His Steps, and it was a book uh, written by a pastor about his church and a situation that had happened there. And a man had come to his church that was living on the streets, and he just looked really bad, and, and he, he smelled really bad, and people kind of got away from him and wouldn't fellowship with him. And he came for a few times, and then he, uh, he, he, he just came and told the pastor that, you know, Jesus wouldn't act like the people in your church acted. And he died shortly after that. And the pastor had a, a real epiphany moment and, and, and thought, you know, we need to do something about that. Our church shouldn't be like that. Our church should be all-encompassing. And I got so excited when I read the book. I, I wanted to make it a book for one of our VBI classes, and it would be conforming to the image of Christ. And uh, somebody came up to me and said, are you aware that that book is fiction? I thought it was a true story written by this pastor. It was a pastor who wrote the book. I said, no, I, it's a true story about what happened in his church. And they said, no, it's fiction. He wrote a fictional book about that. And uh, I researched it out, and sure enough, it was fiction. And I was really down after I read that book. I thought, oh, darn, that, that's such a great book. It's so inspiring. And in my spirit, I felt like that's the way it should be, though. The book may be fiction, but that's the way it should be. And that we would live our lives based on not just a novelty of a pencil or, or, a, or a piece of bracelet or something like that that would say, what would Jesus do? But when we would have a, a, a desire to be like Jesus in every area of our life. <clears throat> One time years ago, uh, it's been about five or six years ago, I was sharing a message on what would Jesus do. And at the end of the message, one of the youth came up to me, and, and uh, I, I had said, WWD, uh, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And one of the youth came up to me and said, you know, that's really good, what would Jesus do? But said, I'd, I say it a little differently. And I said, what do you say? And he said, who would Jesus date? <laughs> <laughs> Typical youth. And uh, so I thought, well, that, that's, that's okay, but at least you got Jesus in the equation. But, but in Romans chapter uh, 8, verse 29, I want to read this scripture to you because I think it could change our life. I think it could change the life of people around us. It's Romans 8, 20, uh, 8 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, you and I have been predestined by God to be conformed to the image of Christ. If you want to know where God wants his son's image to flow, turn to the left and turn to your right right now and look in their eyes because that is what God wants. Now, if you get a hold of this message, it can absolutely change your life. There isn't a single one of us that don't have things in our past that are devastating that we've gone through or maybe things that we're in the process of going through. But our calling on this earth is to be like Jesus and to walk like Jesus and to talk like Jesus. See, Paul said it a different way. He said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ, that God wants us to be like his son. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When God created mankind, he created mankind in his image, 
Why did he do that? Because he wanted us to have his image in us so that we could populate the world and so that our population of the world would be in the image of God. Now think about that just for a moment, that every person on the face of the earth would come out of Adam and Eve who were created perfect in the image of God and they would populate the world and the entire world would be like heaven is eventually going to be. That was God's original plan. But because of the fall of man, because of everything that happened, we know the devil got in there, he stirred things up, he came as the roaring lion that he is and and he deceived mankind. But God never gave up on wanting us to be like him. And therefore, when he said Jesus, Jesus being the firstborn of many brethren, that you and I would conform to the image of God. How many of you were ever in a high school play? Or a college play? Can I see your hands? Marilyn, why does that surprise me that you, or not surprise me that your hand is up? Let me see the rest of the hands. You're in a play somewhere. Dan, you were never in a play in high school? You just look like the type that would have been in a play somewhere. But anyway... But anyway, I never told you I was in a play once in the uh, ninth grade. Yeah, they said we wouldn't pass our class if we didn't, so I had to participate. But anyway, but, but, but you get a script. And in the script, it tells you what to do. Bill O'Brien was in the first service. Bill was in Oklahoma. I'm sure he's told you that many times. He was curly in Oklahoma at Jep. <laughs> Sue said, oh, yes. <laughs> He was curly in the Oklahoma, and uh, and he had a script to follow. I'm sure he didn't follow it all the way, but 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 Bill had a script to follow, and and you look at the script, and then this is what you do, and this is how you perform. We have been given a script by Almighty God, and He wants us to be like His Son and to imitate His Son. First John two six says every believer, every person who received Christ, should walk as He walked, and that if we get to that point in our life when our whole desire, everything that we do, is is to imitate Christ in every situation, then we can walk in the fullness of that. And I know that. In my life, because of of things that happened in my past, uh, divorce, uh, just all sorts of stuff that is covered by the blood. Thank God. And and the, but but if if I'm not careful, if if I don't walk out of that and pursue what God has for me, I can very easily slip back into the Christmas season not being a great season celebrating the birth. It's remembering all of the stuff and 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 and. You all know I've shared often enough that, uh, you know, I've always loved Elvis Presley and his music. And so all of a sudden the Christmas music is out and I got the Elvis songs out. And I love his, his Christmas tapes and all. By the way, I even watched The Lightning of Graceland. But that's another subject. But, but anyway, uh, you can only listen to I'll Have a Blue Christmas so long until it can suck you right back to where you don't want to go. Is it a cool song? Yeah. But if you've been through something, you start to listen to that, and all of a sudden, those blue memories start coming. And you've got to be really careful what you focus on. God wants you to focus upon Jesus and not be thinking about all the stuff that's going on that isn't right, but on what God has for you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God has a plan for your life. And he wants this to be a great Christmas season, not not thinking about all the memories, but thinking about where he wants you to be. You and I are supposed to be a light on a hill. Matthew 5, 16, a bright light that shines to the world. And that I know when I 
went to the Sudan for the first time and met Pastor Stanley, I saw the light of Jesus in that man's eyes. I was really drawn to him. Out of all the people that were there, here was a man who had a vision from God. He was serving God, and he was projecting the image of Christ in everything that he did, yet his background was one of coming out of alcoholism, living on the streets, living a horrible life, but Jesus got a hold of him. A lady in, uh, named Rella Shipman in Cairo told him about Jesus. He saw something in that lady that he was attracted to. I saw something when God took us to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I saw a pastor who looked like, act like, and talked like Jesus. And I'm not talking about the physical appearance. You all know what I'm talking about in the realm of the spirit. And that this man believed that God always had a plan for your life. And no matter what you've been through, God wanted to restore. God was always into restoration. I was saved. In, in First Assembly of God Church here in Lafayette with Pastor Charles Hackett. The, the gentleman that led me to the Lord was a businessman, Joel Livesey, and, and he led me to the Lord in Pastor Hackett's office. And when I started attending that church, they had a policy there. I, I felt a tug in my spirit that, that God had more for me and I think many people are like that when they first get saved. But because of all the junk in our past, then we don't feel we don't feel righteous. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You don't feel righteous. Yeah, you hear the word righteous and well, but it just doesn't resonate because of where you've been. Well, in that particular church, and I thank God, I love the Assemblies of God. I think it's an awesome, wonderful church. But in that church, if you'd ever been divorced, you could never be used in ministry uh, if you had been divorced. So I realized that I already felt bad about myself and I couldn't be used. But then when God sent us to Tulsa, I heard a different message. I heard a message that once God forgives you, he forgets all of your transgressions. You're a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. And then it's a whole new series of living for God and that God wanted us, all of us, to be like his son. Now, if, if you just think about this just for a moment, as a matter of fact, close your eyes just for a moment and think about this. The moment you were saved, it was God's will that you begin to see the image of Christ in you and that everywhere you went, you projected the image of Christ in everything that you did. Now you can open your eyes Think about that being revelation to you, that everywhere we go, we are on assignment from God and that we are called to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And that no matter what happens, last Wednesday night, we, we, we have people in our church, you cannot outrun the love of God. We have people in our church, I shared this at, at our meeting we had yesterday, but uh, Manny was sitting here, and, and Ross is not here, I don't believe, today. But Ross, are you here? I don't think he's here. We have, we have really, with Manny and Ross, we have seen them. Oh, Manny, you're still here. You stayed. I didn't run you off. Glory to God. Hey, by the way, everybody say, happy birthday, Manny. Happy birthday. Today is Manny's birthday. I didn't realize you were still here. I just love Manny, and, and Manny's been in this church, out of this church, in this church, out of this church. What time of month is it? I don't know, but Manny's not here. No. Oh, man, Manny is here. And uh, and, and so anyway, I, uh, and Ross Nichols the same way. I just uh, you, you never give up on people. 
God's plan never changed, and we just love people. We're called to, to take the fruit of the Spirit that Jesus had manifest and that Jesus put in us and just love people right where they are. And I, I just thought it was so funny that last Wednesday night, Somebody from, I assume, the anger management classes they have down the street here uh, decided to take a chair that we conveniently left out there by the van. And I, I told the first service we might have put a sign on it, uh, you know, in case of anger, use this chair to break our van window. But they picked up the chair and, and, and knocked out the window and broke the window. And so when the police came, they, they, they took the report and said, oh, yeah, we think we know who it is. And this guy's got anger issues. And I thought, duh, <laughs> we got to figure that one out. But anyway. That's all right. <clears throat> Manny was back there. <laughs> and here's Manny. He says, let me know who it is. I'll take care of him. <laughs> well, it wasn't exactly the image we want to project, but I thank God for his desire. Uh, and then Ross, Ross is back. Of, of the two people, these two people were both back there. Ross said, oh, I'll fix the window for nothing. And all of a sudden, it's like, God, you are so good. Because God loves everyone on the face of the earth. Picture this. If you, as a parent, you know you love all of your children equally. They don't all bring in the same amount of joy. <laughs> but you love them. You love them all equally. There is no favorite. You love them all equally. And, uh, but, but, and, and, and you're going to discipline. You're going to take care of them. But you're not going to have anybody else do that. that. That's your child. And every person... On the face of this earth is a child of God, either walking with God or away from God. But God loves them, and God wants somebody to reach out to them. Like the prodigal son, the father never stopped loving the son. The father loved the son continually, even though he was out there in the world. You and I have the ability to project the image of Christ everywhere we go. You go to McDonald's. You've heard this example before. Somebody cuts you off at the pass. You know, is the, your car should have been next through the drive-thru, but they went ahead of you. Don't get angry. Don't get upset. Do you know people have a tendency to walk with anxiety in their life about things that just don't matter? You know, when Jesus had uh, gone into the house with Mary and Martha, and, and basically Martha was a little confused about what was important, they were both set into the feet of, of Jesus, and Mary wouldn't move. She was fascinated by being in Christ's presence. Martha was concerned and anxious about all of the stuff. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled and anxious about many things, but Mary's taken the good thing. What if we spent the rest of our life trying to project the image of Christ everywhere that we go? No matter what the situation, no matter how people treated us, we never felt like we have to defend ourselves because Jesus never defended himself. Jesus never became angry, and I know some people will bring up the money changers, but they had it coming. But Jesus was never angry with people. Jesus was, was loving to people. He was full of compassion. He was never anxious. He was never fearful because he was always focused on doing his Father's will. Now, when it says that we were predestined because he was the firstborn, Jesus came to show us the example, I came to do my Father's will. I'm not going to do what I feel like doing, not my will, but his will to be done because he was God made flesh and that he wants us to operate and live the same way. Now, every single one of us 
that know Jesus as our Lord and Savior are a three-part being. Your spirit man came alive when you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Your flesh is just like it always used to be. Your flesh is corrupt. This is maybe the only time you husbands can do this. You wives, you can turn to your husband. You turn the person next to you and just tell them, your flesh is corrupt. You can't do anything about it other than to control it. It is corrupt. It is no good. But your spirit man alive wants to control everything, but everything that you do on this earth is funneled through your mind. And if your mind is not renewed to the things of God and you don't desire to be like Christ, you won't be. Do you know that everything that you do in your life is based on a thought? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you think too much. <laughs> Everything that you do in your life is based on a thought. Have you ever said, I don't know why I did that? I'll tell you exactly why you did it. You thought it. You can't do anything without thinking it. Every, do you know pain cannot be pain in your body until it goes through your mind? You, you might think the pain is right there, which it is, but that pain has to go from your finger to your mind to register and back. And that creates the circuit. Everything comes through your mind. So if you think, well, I don't know why I'm anxious. I know why you're anxious. You think anxious thoughts. Well, I don't know why I'm fearful. I know why you're fearful. You think fearful thoughts. I don't want to. Yes, you do. Or you wouldn't do it. Now, listen, if you get this, it'll set you free. You do whatever you want to do. You think whatever you want to think. How many of you think that you think a lot? May I see your hands? All the women should have their hands raised. <laughs> now, the reason I say that, the reason I say that, not to put women down. Do you think you think more than me? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. My wife, and this is a statistic I read years ago, said the average person thinks 30,000 thoughts a day. Okay, if that's true, I'm probably way below average. I'm probably about five or ten. I think my wife makes up for me on the 30 and goes for 40 or 50. Now, it's not, that's not a put down, but your mind is like radar. It's trying to think about something. Your mind is always searching for something to think. How many of you know that's true? Your mind will think with you or without you. You can consciously think about something, and that's your thought pattern, or you can let it think for you, and your mind will just... Like, I mean, it just goes 360 around and around and around. Now, Jesus came as an example of an imitator of his father. And I believe one of the highest callings that any father, and I failed at this as a young man, I think one of the highest callings any father can give to their children is to teach them how to imitate Christ in every situation because that is our primary role on this earth for them to become imitators of God as dear little children Ephesians 5 1 and that these children we brought up to know how to imitate Jesus and if we could do that I believe we would be a tremendous success with God because every person on the face of this earth is a child of God entrusted to our care are entrusted to our influence. Braden is, is entrusted to the influence of his grandparents to help him see the image of Christ so that he can grow up to be that. 
and he's probably going to be an evangelist from what I've seen so far. <laughs> he is just a wonderful little guy. But it, it is really a high calling for us to understand that. How would Jesus think? What would, what would he think about this situation? We had a, a thing. Now, if you're here and you're a smoker, don't, uh, don't, I'm not putting you down. I'm just telling you a story. I looked up when I told the story in the first service, and a guy walked right in and stood right in the doorway, and I know exactly who it was, and he just shook his head when I started talking about it. It was really hilarious. But we were we were talking one day, and <clears throat> this is years ago. This person is no longer here, but <clears throat> he said, uh, he said, yeah, I, I smoke, and I know you don't, you don't, you don't care for me smoking. I said, I don't care whether you smoke or not. And he said, oh, really? I said, no. I said, that's up to you and God. I said, has God spoken anything to you? He said, well, yeah, God told me not to do it. And I said, well, you got trouble then. <laughs> God, if God told you not to do it, you better not do it. And, uh, and anyway, he said, well, I can't. And I said, I said, that's not true. And he said, no, I can't stop. And I said, no, that's not true. And he said, well, I, I can't. I'm still smoking. I said, that's not true. You can't. He said, well, how can I stop smoking? I said, it's real simple. I got the solution for you. He said, what is it? I want it. I said, you throw all your cigarettes away. You don't buy any cigarettes, and you never put a cigarette in your mouth again. You'll never smoke again. <laughs> he said, really? That simple? I said, yeah. It's really that simple. It's not rocket scientist. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, it's not rocket science. You, you don't have to be a scientist to figure this stuff out. If I don't think about doing it, I don't have to do it. If I think about doing it, I'm going to do it. You're pulled toward whatever you're thinking about. You're pulled toward your dominant thoughts. That's why I believe in Joshua, Joshua, one of the greatest leaders who ever lived, Joshua 1, 8, 9, when Joshua was commissioned by God and told by God, Joshua, you meditate the Word of God day and night, and you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Because Joshua is going to determine and think and meditate what he wants to meditate based on the Word of God. I am a child of God. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm blessed coming. I'm blessed going. I believe God wants me to have the greatest Christmas season I've ever had this year, and that's exactly what it's going to be. I believe somewhere, somehow, I'm going to be able to touch people every single day and make their life better. I think God wants me to smile more, and I think He wants me to say good, encouraging, edifying words to people. I believe God wants me to think less about myself and more about other people. How many of you believe I've just described what God may want for all of us to do? But your mind pulls you right back into that vacuum where he tries to pull you back. Well, yeah, but if people knew this about you or that about you or you did this or you did that, all of those things may be things that were true back then, but they're things that were covered by the blood and now have been forgotten by God, and he wants us to do the same thing. So that every Christmas season, every season, 365 days a year, we are out there on assignment. I always think about the Blues Brothers. I love that movie. On assignment from God. How many of you, how many of you ever seen the Blues Brothers movies? I'm on assignment from God, and I'm going to imitate Jesus. I mean, that is exactly what we are. We are here on an assignment to imitate Jesus. And when people will come up to you and say, well, don't you understand what they did to you? Jesus never defended himself. 
Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I don't know who broke our van window out, but I'm going to find them someday, and I'm going to have coffee with them or Coke with them, and I'm going to believe that God's going to anoint me to be able to love him and help that guy who the police say, he just got an anger issue, anger issue leave him alone. That's what we do with most of the people of the world. We just leave them alone. Let them go. They'll do something somewhere else, but they won't be around us. We're called to reach the world. We're called to save the world. And we do that by imitating Christ in every single thing that we do. Is it possible? God would never have said it if it wasn't possible. We can be who God wants us to be any moment, any time. If you get your Bibles and turn to Second Corinthians chapter 10, I want to show you a scripture there. Actually, I want to show you two scriptures. Philippians chapter 4, God gave us uh, an instruction manual. This would be like one of your plays, honey. Well, it's higher than one of your plays, but this is like one of your musicals. You had scripts for everybody. Remember that last one we did with your dad in it? Everybody had a script. I let the, someday we're going to do the musical at Christmas. Maybe we could do it this year of Sue O'Brien coming in the wrong way. Sue's checked out on me, but Sue O'Brien, Sue O'Brien coming in the wrong way. In the musical, oh, excuse me, I got the wrong way. Turned around, walked out, came around, walked in the right way. Did it? It was really hilarious. I watched part of that just the other night. I think that was that musical, wasn't it? World War II musical. Yeah. Now this is what it says in Philippians. How how many of, how many of you? I believe that this is one of the roots for all challenges in people's lives. How many of you have a tendency to be anxious? Just kind of get up tired about that. Okay, looks like a lot of you. And I, and I believe that we have to examine why am I anxious about obviously something that you can't change. Uh, if you could change it, you wouldn't be anxious about it. You would have already changed it. But there are some things that make us anxious that I believe opens the door to fear. It opens the door to all sorts of challenges and discouragement. Oh, what was me about this? Or what is this? Or they shouldn't have done that to me. Or I shouldn't have done that. Or all these kind of things that happen. And what happens is the instruction manual. Now, remember, we're going to imitate Christ. So turn to your neighbor and tell them, I'm going to imitate Christ. Okay, the instruction manual for imitating Christ says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So we are to be anxious for how much if we're going to imitate Christ? How much? How much? What causes anxiety? your thought. How you perceive something as your thought translates into anxiety. One person will be real anxious. And they'll say, well, I'm just like my dad, or I'm just like my mom, or I'm just like my aunt, or I'm just like my in-law, you know, whatever. A lot of people think it's because of a bloodline. It's not a bloodline. A bloodline, uh, people that you were associated with and around, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with my dad growing up. My dad loved to tease. He was thought he was funny all the time. My wife says, you love to tease. You think you're funny all the time. You're just like your dad. Well, I take that as a compliment, even though sometimes I also know she means it like you are driving me up the wall. <laughs> I understand. I understand. And but But it's not a bloodline. It's a thought line. What I think has the tendency to be anxiety in me or it has a tendency to be peace within me. Your thoughts 
always determine your destiny and especially your dominant thoughts. We can all have a bad thought. But your dominant thoughts will always control your destiny. That's why some people that are anxious all the time, they think anxious thoughts all the time. People that are fearful, they think fear all the time. That's why they're like that. But perfect love casts out all fear. Jesus was never fearful. So we're going to imitate something that we're not always like. Does that make sense to you so far? In other words, you're going to imitate Christ. Well, I don't feel like imitating Christ all the time. Join the crowd. None of us do. I didn't even want to get out of bed this morning. It was cold. The dog was nestled into me. I had a comforter around me. And Pam, I, I didn't say it, but I was thinking, Pam, you got a message today? I could come for that second service. <laughs> second Corinthians chapter 10. This is a scripture that we have to get a hold of if we're really going to imitate Christ. Second Timothy chapter, t- uh, excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter ten verse three. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Every thought you think contrary to the will of God has the tendency to become a stronghold in your life. Casting down arguments. If you're, if you ever argued in your mind. Your mind argue with you? You think one thing and it says another thing. You think this thing and this thing is another thing. And it jerks you back and it jerks you back. That's an argument. That is an argument that you have power, authority, and dominion over. And if you don't think and make yourself think what you should think, you will think whatever your mind wants you to think based on the world and the world is going to hell. But the believer is going to heaven, and we're going to dominate this world as we go out of this world. And Christ is going to give us the leading to be like him in everything that we do if we want to pay the price and take control of what he has given us through the Spirit. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. How many thoughts? Every single thought. You can't hold on to one negative thought. Now, if you want to live this message, it's a message that God wants you to live. But it's going to take a desire on your part. It's going to take a determination on your part. It's going to take a discipline on your part to change things in your life just like I've changed things or try to change things in my life. And sometimes I make it and sometimes I slip. But it doesn't change the direction and the course we continue to pursue being imitators of Christ. Let's stand to our feet. The bottom line in the book of In His Steps, the last of the book, was he called his church together. And, and again, this was when I was reading it thinking it was a true story. And he said, I, I want to encourage everybody to make a decision that for 30 days, every decision that you make would be, what would Christ do? Every decision that you made would be based on projecting the image of Christ in every situation. You would not be upset with anybody, wouldn't be angry with anybody, you wouldn't be frustrated, you would just project the image of Christ in everything that you do and had people that made that decision. I believe it would be great if we could make a decision that I believe I'm called on this earth to imitate Christ in everything that I do. Business deals, relationships with people that are good, friendly toward me, relationships that are people that are angry with me. Jesus never was angry, frustrated. He had the Holy Spirit and the, and the fruit of the Spirit flowing from him continually. And I believe that's what God wants each and every one of us to do so that the world would see 
the light of Jesus flowing from the people of God. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? It's a high calling, but I believe it's the calling for your life to be like Christ. But you can't be like something that you've never had. Without Jesus, you do not have this life available to you. But with Christ, the will of God will give you that. I want to ask you this question while we're bowed in prayer. If you died today, do you know where you would spend eternity? Maybe you're here and you're like that prodigal child. You know that you've walked away from the things of God. But you also know that God is calling you back. And if I've described you and you say, Pastor, you you have described me. My life is not right with God. Let today be the day that you come home to God. He loves you, has a great plan for your life. And all over this church, if I've described you, I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand. We're going to pray for you. Yes, I see your hand over here. I see your hand here. Yes, yes, I see your hand. Are there others? It's just between you and the Holy Spirit. But if I have described you, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Are there others you say, pray for me? Yes, I see your hand all the way back. See, I believe the Holy Spirit's moving right now. We'll take just a moment. Are there others? You'd say, I know my life is not right. Yes, I see your hand over here. Yes, sir. Yes. I see your hand all the way over there. Yes. Just going to continue to wait while the Spirit of God moves. Be one of the most important times in your life. Are there others you say, pray for me? Hallelujah. All of you who lifted your hands, ushers, if you'll help me over in that section, right here in the middle, yeah, over here in the second row. Let's give them a hand all the way here. David, if you'd help us with this row right here, all the way over here, right there in the center section. Come on down here. Yeah, all the way back there, right here in the center. Greg, yeah, see if we can get this guy. Yeah, keep give him, a, give him another hand. Check out over here, Mark, see how we do. Come on down here. Come on over here with me. How you doing today? It's good to see all of you. Praise God. Come on up here, buddy. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, let's give some more applause here. That's what I thought. Yeah. You know, the angels in heaven are rejoicing. Good to have you here. Good to see all of you here. Stretch your hands out here toward these at this altar. Still coming. Let's keep it up. Let's keep it up. Let's keep thanking God. Yeah, come on, Mark. But we can do better than that. We can do better than that. Thank you, Jesus. Stretch your hands out here toward these at this altar. Let's all pray this prayer together. This is a day of new beginnings. God knows everything about your life. And the Word of God says that He is quick to forgive, that He is quick to forget, forget, and that He loves you unconditionally. 
and he has a great plan and a purpose for your life. And that this is that day of new beginning with him. All of you at this altar, we're going to join you as we pray this prayer. So let's pray right now. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I've sinned and I've made mistakes. But today I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you and to be everything that you have called me to be. I believe this is a day of new beginning. I submit my life to you. I submit my will to you. Heal my heart. Show me the plan. I yield to you to be everything that you have called me to be and to walk with the image of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's give the Lord a hand. Every single one of you, if you could, just for a moment, could you just turn to your left for just one second? Follow that handsome-looking guy there with no hair. Give them another hand as they go. We're going to give you something here in just a second. Honey, do you have a word? Which one? He knows my name. God knows your name today. He knows my name. Okay. God knows your name. Now, we're, uh, Pam's going to lead us in just a moment. No, no, no. But, but I want to ask you this question. How many of you would be willing to get rid of your life, to pick up the life of Christ, and to walk in the image of Christ in every single thing that you do? Can I see your hands? I want you to say this. Lord, here am I. Help me to get over myself, to yield to you, and to walk in the image of Christ. I believe without a doubt that is your will. We're going to dismiss with this. You know, as, as my husband was sharing, and he said he knows all about you, and I kept hearing this song, He Knows My Name. I think it's important today that we all know that he knows your name. He knows exactly where you are, and uh, you're not just... Oh, that's her down there. Or that's him. It says, he holds you in the palm of his hand and he knows your name. So uh, let's just close with this and make it our confession today and believe it in our heart. Amen. Aren't you glad God knows your name? Amen. That's the most important one to know. Can you put that up for us back there? He knows my name. I have a father. I have a father. He calls me his own. He'll never leave me. He'll never leave me. No matter. No matter where I go. He knows my name. Let's make that confession. He knows my name. He knows my name. 
more time. He knows my name. He knows my name. And he hears me. He knows. important and he hears and he hears me when I call Lord we thank you today that you hear you hear each person here I thank you Lord that this word is sealed in their hearts and today as they leave you have a wonderful plan so we send each person out of here blessed the Bible says we're blessed coming and we're like blessed going. That's good for all of us because sometimes we don't know which way we're going. So blessed going, blessed coming, however. I want you to say this. I'm blessed because God says so. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're blessed because God said so. Then say this. We're all blessed because God said so. Amen. Go and be blessed. Hallelujah. Amen.